This is the most professional this podcast has ever been. We now have headphones and cables and, and all this, and we have still got one member calling in from a cafe. <laughs> uh, Hussein, how's the hipster cafe in New York? Yes, um, so I want so my my um my aim of coming to New York was I wanted to go to visit all the sites. So my first um, my first uh, uh, lo- location on my list was to go to Jacob Wall's famous hipster cafe where he where he where he seemingly overhears lots of these plots um, against the president. Um, and I can yeah. tell you I can tell you one thing from my dispatch from my from my dispatch uh, in America, which is that it's hundred percent true. Um, Antifa super soldiers do meet up in these hipster cafes, which um, litter around Brooklyn, um, where they discuss about impeaching the president uh, and replacing him with uh, uh, with Hillary Clinton forever. <laughs> of course. Um, yes. uh, so. All I can say is that Jacob Wall did own all of us, and not only has he owned all of us with his insane logic, but he has also owned all of us with his insanely good skincare routine. Um. <laughs> Absolutely, the the man does look fluorescent. <laughs> oh, one hundred percent. Yeah, and I mean, what's great is he saves in a lot of lighting bills around these uh, hipster coffee shops, which I'm assuming he owns now um, because he was so right by just standing in the middle of them and being radiantly. Oily. Yeah, I mean, like all the, the real hipster. I mean, like, all I've got to say is that all the Antifa super soldiers are very scared of him. So that when, so whenever he walks into one of these places, you just hear like some hushes of silence. Um, and that's that, yeah. you know, so that that's to show like what politics in America is like uh, at, at this current moment of time. And, and until, of course, he hears one voice, one voice in the distance doing a podcast <laughs> that is ostensibly leftist but actually mostly just talks about which evangelion looks the best in a bikini so i i, I was thinking i was genuinely thinking about this the other day because like <laughs> <laughs> mods mods it's it's, it's even it's even zero two obviously right yeah it's like that i i don't but what i was thinking about more was that like if we ever got in trouble with the law and someone found like the archive all the trash shoots and stuff just like how ridiculous it would be to like think about all these kind of very serious journalist type people having to listen to like endless endless conversations about like which Evangelion looks better in a bikini <laughs> or there's like all the other stupid I've, stuff I've never watched the Evangelion because I'm actually a normal person <laughs> uh, what, what the hell a guy household is <laughs> uh, oh yeah. man it's all good it's all fun speak Speaking of the guy household, shall we get into the main uh, content? Uh, sure. Yeah, because we're all dudes. We're all this is this is an all dude episode, right? Yeah, this is was it all dude, all nude, all rude, all crude. I know. Unusually for this podcast, it's four dudes. <laughs> um, all right, let's drop in the theme song and get, and get going. Hello again, and welcome back to TF. Uh, we're coming at you from the Guy household in Whitechapel. Uh, you already know what it is. My name is Riley. I'm joined here by Milo Edwards. It's me, your boy. Hussein Kasvani, f- reporting in from the Jacob Wool Hipster Cafe. Yep, I'm on my, I'm, I'm on my US tour. Um, I was supposed to be, it was supposed to be with uh, Post Malone, but he just didn't show up at the airport. <laughs> the uh, coffee is a soup tour. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, we have Adam Smith from PC Mag, not the Institute, with us uh, today. I was too rebellious; they had to kick me out. But thank you. It's great to be here in the guy household. You know, it's because the Adam Smith Institute really is quite un PC. 
Well, that's the thing. I mean, the Adam Smith Institute is famously normal for normal people talking about how we just need to squeeze more millennials like flannels for all the rest of their money and give it to billionaires. Absolutely. This is a very rational. Like, if you read The Wealth of Nations, that's actually what it says. Like, that's how nations Absolutely. get wealthy. And the theory of moral sentiments is actually just you open it and it says facts don't care about your feelings. They, they do not. I can confirm. No, I can. Conf- I, we can all confirm that. I once tried to have, uh, you know, a long conversation about, you know, my my sex life with the third law of thermodynamics and it did nothing. It's completely disinterested. Uh, so, uh, Hussein, you want to tell us a little bit about New York before we jump into the stuff that I've prepared? Um, yeah, I mean, like, this is my first time. So, like, everything here is just really kind of weird in a way that, like, I sort of love and I sort of hate at the same time, right? So, like... You know, the, you know the, sub, the subway like sucks like a lot. I think like, everyone knows all that stuff. I spent like a, I spent like a weird amount of time in Coney Island last night because I took the wrong subway and I didn't realize. Um, and when I was like, "Well, how? What's the easiest way to get back to Brooklyn?" And they were just like, "Yeah, you just got to wait." And I was like, "Well, how long do I have to wait for?" It's just like I don't know. Uh, this is like the person who's like who, the person who's like <laughs> behind, behind like the one person who like sells the tickets, right? Um, the funniest thing that happened to me though was actually in the subway stop near my place I'm staying at. Um, and this is a story about you, you dudes will like because it's a very like alpha move. Um, so I was I was heading back to my place after like going out. Um, oh yeah, yeah. And at some point I've got to tell you all about like the, the weird YouTuber party about like I ended up going to on my first night. Um, uh, but I was coming back from that YouTuber party and there was a guy who I was assuming was just like taking a leak on one of the walls, right? Um, which is a weird thing coming from London, but it's not like, you know, something that you would unexpect. But then I th- realized that he wasn't taking a leak. He was, um, he, 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 he was, uh, y- y- you know, um, he, he was inducing a leak. Yeah, well, he, he was doing what you're not supposed to do in No Nut November, which was that he was nothing. Um, so <laughs> it's the worst crime of all. <laughs> so, so I was I was about to perform a citizen arrest on him because of this, and <laughs> and he, he he looked at me while he was holding his junk, and he was just like, "Yo, what you're looking at?" And I was just like stunned. Like I was just I, I was just, I just stood there. I wasn't able to move. He was holding his junk while he was just staring at me. And then it moved a little bit, and I was just like, "Oh shit, this is really weird. This is really weird." And I just like ran out. Um, the, the plot twist is this was Louis C.K. <laughs> <laughs> this just goes to show how everything is contextual, because you know you thought he was peeing, but then to your horror, you discovered that he was nutting, which is obviously bad because <laughs> it's November. But if you'd have discovered this in January, it would have been completely <laughs> the other way around. Yeah, I mean, this is what I was more outraged about. I was like, if you want to nut, nuts away, but like, bear in mind that some people here respect no nut November very much and it's part of our identities and please don't use my culture as a costume no no nut november is proud boy ramadan <laughs> yeah people <laughs> people with nut allergies get very upset about no nut november they're like my culture is not a costume <laughs> <laughs> you truly want to own the libs you nut on remembrance day into yeah. a poppy that's <laughs> People get, uh, well jeremy corwin may have been wearing a puppy but i didn't see any cum stains on him whatsoever <laughs> he didn't do a single cum tribute what the fuck <laughs> cum tributing the glorious debt um so we're gonna get back to new york in a second uh, but i want to uh explore a concept that has just been dragging itself around my brain for the last few days um there is now a word that exists out there, I'm sure it's going to get defined in a dictionary at some point, called a nano-influencer. Well, the word is a nano-influencer. It refers to a thing called a nano-influencer. Signifier, signified, it's all the same thing. Uh, and it is a term that's now being used in influencer marketing circles uh, 
for someone who has a normal amount of followers on social media, usually about a thousand dish. What is a normal amount? Do I have more than a normal amount? <laughs> Wait, a thousand dish isn't a normal amount of followers. That's a lot. That's like that's like relatively a lot. Like uh, okay, okay, next most to like, people on Twitter have like sixty followers. Sure, like the vast majority of people. Indeed, but this is this is the term for someone with like you know about a thousand on, or usually it's on Instagram. Because that's like a, a normal amount of followers for people who matter. Like, <laughs> um, and they are, and this is apparently the new frontier in digital marketing. And mm. I can't stop thinking about it. Uh, and it's this, and it's this, uh, this passage that sort of leads that has been just sticking like a splinter uh, behind my hippocampus. Um, with roughly 2,700 Instagram followers, Alexis Baker, 25, had a relatively ordinary social media presence with photos of outfits and vacation spots filling her feed. But her online persona changed when she started posting uh, effusive praise of products like Suave Professionals Rose Oil Infusion Shampoo. Hell Clinique. yeah, I'd love to be a Suave <laughs> Professional. <laughs> Clinique Beyond Perfecting Foundation and Concealer. You know, uh, that's American Psycho. It's a cool movie about a Suave Professional. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> that is actually the American Psycho brand of grooming products. <laughs> and, and Loco Coffee, a mix of cold brew and coconut water. Their lack of fame is one of the qualities that makes them more approachable. When they recommend a shampoo or lotion or furniture brand on Instagram, their word seems as genuine as advice from a friend because it probably is. Yeah, <laughs> I only buy sofas from genuine people. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, don't want to buy shampoo from fake people. <laughs> Last time someone tried to sell me shampoo, I just said, bought and turned away. <laughs> Okay, too many fake people have been trying to sell me Chez Longs <laughs> and Lazy Susans. I'm not going to have it, okay? These people aren't real. They're bots. I would never have a Lazy Susan. I would only have a very hardworking Susan. A tremendous Susan. <laughs> the, most the most incredible Susan this America's ever seen. You'll have, you won't even have to spin it to have access to all the spices. All I'm going to say is when Susan was jacking me off in the mid-90s, she wasn't lazy at all, all right? So <laughs> no further questions. <laughs> Right. So, but what get what really gets me about this is that what's happened is normal influencers like Casey Neistat, who uh, Hussein actually told me he met at this party. Oh my god! And oh my god! Our podcast was Right. I've got my Casey Neistat story, but I will say once this is done. Yeah, but normal influencers. So stay tuned, folks. Normal influencers <laughs> are basically people think a million followers. Your like common or garden influence. Love Island. Yeah, the kind love of influencers <laughs> we all know and love. <laughs> like Love Island people have yeah. become too expensive, and so. But then, so social media. So, so Dr. Alex is out of your league. No, he's, Don't he's, expect he's, Dr. Alex to tweet about your products. He's tweeting about like Teslas or something. <laughs> I, I saw Dr. Alex at like some weird bar the other day and he went to the bathroom and someone really excitedly followed him into the bathroom, like just some other guy. And after they both came out, he like sat down next to his group of friends and really loudly whispered, I got a picture of his dick. <laughs> <laughs> what? Now, like, that's influencer marketing. Yeah, right. That's what the people want to see. I mean, if, 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 yeah, if, um, if, if you think about it, like every male toilet really is just a giant guy household, right? So... Yeah. <laughs> I like branches. the idea of someone getting a picture of Dr. Alex's dick, but Dr. Alex is such an influencer that on the side of his dick it just says, like, vitamin water or something. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what, what, gets me, what gets me about this, right, mm -hmm. is that all of these influencers are becoming too expensive. And so what the advertising industry has done is it has reached down into just sort of people's very normal quotidian connections with other people they just know and monetized them. Hell yeah. Um, and like what and, and what that means essentially is like, you know, marketing 
it's it's always been about you know spending money on products. But like, think about this. It's like it. We started with movie stars advertising shit, and then just people who are popular online selling shit, and then uh, podcasters selling shit. Specifically, um, the Japanese restaurant near me, Akko. It's very good. That's another <laughs> dinner for four for me, and then. Uh, but that that's gone down to just people you know selling you shit. Like your family Christmas dinner is going to be brought to you by Butterball, and every conversation that you have will just be two sales pitches, just sort of aimlessly drifting past one another until everybody's side hustle is just selling everything they can to everyone they know all the time using money that they make from marketing. But this all comes, and it, you know that it's just rooted from the same people, uh, same kind of people that are like, oh, why are you spending, you know, five pounds on a meal deal? Why aren't you bringing food from home? Well, no, it's because it's going to get so bad that that five pound meal deal will be an Instagram post with a thousand likes as like something aspirational <laughs> that you can aspire like that you can finally get if you work hard enough. <laughs> Yo, being in love is great, and I'm really enjoying being on on honeymoon with my fiance. Wait, no, that, that's not possible. <laughs> <laughs> with my yeah, wife, being, with my with my wife slash husband. But what I also really love is the Cumberland sausage sandwich available in all Boots retailers. <laughs> But that's but that but that's just it. Like it's like it's the logic of capital is is monetizes stuff, and it when it finds the new things to monetize, it monetizes it. And it's always been monetizing our relationships through like posting back and forth on Twitter or whatever. It's just getting so much more gaudy and obvious, and mm. it's selling bullshit. A coconut water infused cold brew. It's like it's, it's Valentine's Day is a scam has just become every day is a scam, and we're all living it. Mm. <laughs> well, that's the thing. It's like. They're pay. It's like brands are giving people money to pay to to advertise products to other people who will buy that those products with the money they get from advertising other brands. It's almost like you could make this much more efficient if just brands just gave everyone the products and then you just didn't need to pay for it. Mm. It's, oh, I've done a marks. But how would you? <laughs> but how would you sell that to a shareholder? <laughs> we just give stuff away, and in return, we get pictures of Doctor Alex's dick. <laughs> It's uh, you know it's it, so what this is it's is it's it's a pyramid scheme. Ah yes, it's a <laughs> massive pyramid scheme, and it's hilarious. The natural evolution of Juice Plus is like everything is Juice Plus now, <laughs> and it's like yeah, buy this coffee, you'll you'll be ripped, I guess. <laughs> but buy it in bulk and sell it to your friends, <laughs> who you don't have anymore because <laughs> you're a pyramid scheme guy now. <laughs> And no one likes them. <laughs> Pyramid scheme guys are up there with like problem alcoholics and problem gamblers. <laughs> like, like they're they're a burden to everyone. The only good pyramid scheme, the only good pyramid scheme guy is the pharaoh from Yu-Gi-Oh, and that is Canada. <laughs> Yo, you just—that's transparent pandering to Hussein. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my. Yeah, and I'm gonna make him buy my Egyptian god cards because yeah. my because my only god is capitalism. Did, did you did you know that the Egyptian god cards aren't, aren't actually that useful in an actual match? Um, so I, I I've watched like endless YouTube endless YouTube videos about how God cards like are really just a massive scam. Like the God cards itself is the pyramid scheme um, because they use like a whole giant TV show to kind of really hype these cards up. And then when the company who made the cards were like, yeah, you can use them in tournaments now, all the kind of professional players realized that like they were completely pointless because um, they could get wiped out really easily because um, all of them had like zero defense points um, so anyway that's my story about how I tried to be a Yu-Gi-Oh influencer mm. um, and made the whole community God, God, God cards are the opiates of the duel <laughs> well, that's wow. um, I want to hear I want to hear Hussein's uh, Casey Neistat story um, I mean yeah so like so on the topic of influencers so on my first night in New York I got a text message from a friend of the show uh, uh, Taylor Lawrence and she was like hey you should come to this party 
Um, and it turned out that the party was at Casey Neistat's uh, new studio in 368, um, 368 Broadway. So I went there, and it was just a really strange experience because... Um, Who's it, Casey Neistat? Just for our, view, our, our viewers, listeners who might not know, just quick recap. Okay, so he's, so he's like the kind of daddy YouTuber. So he's the guy who basically made kind of YouTube culture happen, right? So every kind of YouTube-style video that you see where they kind of like daily like vlog their lives and everything, he was the, he was the one who kind of coined that. Um, he was the one who was kind of like, yeah, like you can make content out of just like your everyday life and you can just make it just using a camera phone or something like that. Um, so he's like very respected in the YouTube community. And like, to be fair to him, he's done some really good work and like he is a professional filmmaker by trade. So he doesn't really fit as a YouTuber in the same sense as like, you know, Jake Paul and stuff like that. Um, he looks like a blind surfer. <laughs> um, yeah, he wears, he, he wears sunglasses indoors. So like that's the main, that's kind of the main takeaway from it. The, the event itself was like interesting because I didn't really get to spend a lot of time with Casey and I really just spoke to him about like um, YouTube itself. So what one of the things that he's trying to work out on his studio is like, well, where does YouTube go from here? Because there's so many people on the platform and they're making so much like similar content. Um, and some of it is monetizable, but lots of it isn't. But how can you be like true to yourself and true to your form while on the platform? The thing that was really weird was like all the other kind of like YouTubers who ended up in that space too. Um, so they were like much younger and they're the ones who were like, I was trying to have a conversation with one of these guys who was like a comedian and like within five minutes, he like whipped out his camera and started like speaking to the camera like while we were like mid conversation. And it was just like this really bizarre thing. Cause it was like, you know, he was looking for like this. I, and what I, what I realized was that he wasn't talking to me because he wanted to, he was talking to me because I was there and it was the only place in that studio with good lighting. <laughs> so 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 we had like five minutes of formality where he's just like oh you're from england that's interesting um and then he basically was just like he just whipped out his camera and he was like yo guys i'm at 368 uh casey neistat he's amazing check this out check this out check this out um it was just very bizarre to watch and like all of it and like pretty much all the conversations with youtube people basically went in that direction um, so I presume that you did what any normal person would do upon being informed by an expert professional that this was the only place with good lighting and immediately removed your shirt and began taking super hot abs pics for Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, then, and then another thing was like, some, so people were asking me, like, well, what do you do? And I was like, well, I edit a magazine. Um, and they're like, oh, really? Like, I don't really read magazines. I was like, okay, well, that's, that's good for you. What's a magazine? Um, yeah, what's that? And then I was kind of like, oh, yeah, I do podcasting as well. And what was really interesting about that is that they're all like looking into podcasting and they all kind of say the same thing about podcasting, which is that, oh, podcasting is kind of cool, I guess. And then they just walk off afterwards. Um, Wrong. Yeah. So, 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 so it, it's not cool at all. So it was, so it was a very, it was a very bizarre, it was a very bizarre night. Um, and YouTubers are just very weird. But the thing is in over in this country, like YouTubers are taken seriously. So one thing that I noticed was that in the UK, like we still kind of see like people who do YouTube as kind of like a bit of a joke, right? Um, Zoella. You know, they're kind of like people who most people know, like you're pushing products or you're like you're pushing services and really what you are is like you're an extended you're advertising campaign. <laughs> <laughs> Prison ball is just a map huckster. <laughs> Um, Enjoy these in, delicious sepia-toned maps. In America, generally, like you know, YouTubers are taken a lot more seriously, um, which is which is probably why the whole like you know nano influence stuff is like really a big deal here. Whereas like we kind of see it as a bit of a joke, um, like 
I can totally see like why that would be like a monetizable option. Well, the thing is, I think with with the, with nano influencers or what I'm basically calling brand driven Keynesianism, uh, then every single interaction anyone is ever going to have is going to be exactly like what Hussein described just now. Like, welcome to the future of all social interaction. Well, that's the thing, because America, America has desperately tried to... This is America's answer to peep show, isn't it? Everyone buys Snapchat spectacles, everyone records everything, you put it online, Channel 4 never buys it, and eventually you marry a woman whose brother writes terrible articles for the Times. That's the future. We'll all live that dream. That's very specific. <laughs> it's very close to the Michael Gove dream, which is just marry a woman who writes terrible articles for the Times. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'd, uh, I want to move on from, from, from brand-driven Keynesianism. Uh, to another thing that's recently happened in New York uh, that might make Hussein's commute maybe not um, maybe not quicker, uh, but certainly more undignified and maybe in a box, uh, because as the we way all you know, said that implied that like people want their commutes to be quicker. But as a second option, they wouldn't mind them just being less dignified. <laughs> like, the problem with my commute at the moment is that it's slow, but also too dignified. <laughs> the prob- the problem- like, the pro- people salute me as I go past them on the platform. <laughs> I really hate being welcomed onto this old Victorian coal train with a go- with with a silver trumpet. As people doff their stovepipe hats to me. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. It, it's whatever I said, but you know, flip it the right way around. But um, Amazon's HQ2, as we know, has taken a big money shit all over uh, Queens and DC. Uh, I'm, I, there isn't much um, much evidence of it there now, but Jeff Bezos has indeed picked a place to make his new um, manor, uh, of which he will be uh, the little lord. Did you, did, you, did you see what de Blasio said about it? Oh, God, nothing good, I imagine. So, no, so it, it, was, it was extremely funny because basically de Blasio was like, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to bring up the quote, quote now. Um, but it was like it was like the biggest. Uh, it was like just the biggest, like the, the weirdest possible thing you could say. One second, I'm just going to bring it up. Um, okay, so what he's well, one of the weirdest possible things was Andrew yeah. Cuomo, governor of New York, said he was willing to change his name to Amazon. Yeah, uh, which so is the, like the only good thing to come out of this is that Andrew Cuomo has been ruthlessly humiliated himself. What? what wow. um, so because so, then then he would just be like a weird tribute act to Rivers Cuomo. <laughs> <laughs> so, so just like one specific river. <laughs> so, 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 uh, Hussein, go yeah. ahead. So what De Blasio says is that De Blasio says that while Walmart has been systematic in its aggression toward labor and small retail, Amazon is quote in Amazon is quote part of the true American economy. What the fuck does that exactly, mean? Right? Amazon Amazon pa- patented a cage for its workers to be in so its robots wouldn't kill them. <laughs> How is this the American economy? That is actually the true that is the true American economy. Yeah, to, you know, be, to fair. be fair, it's not wrong, <laughs> is it? Like I mean the true American economy is like everything. It's like that, it's like the wire, like that's all like the true Actually to be fair, like uh Mayor de Blasio that way around is like mayor of New York, but de Blasio Mayor is a character from the wire. <laughs> <laughs> Right. So um, so this is this is completely absurd. Right. Now, Amazon has promised uh, twenty five thousand new jobs each uh, to the um, to the cities. And it's promised five billion dollars in various investments that will be made in them over two decades. Of course, this is complete nonsense because the tax subsidies that have been promised to Amazon by New York are already actually estimated as high as a four point six billion dollar subsidy, one billion of which just goes to Bezos. Huge. Um, 
More also- for Jeffrey Kisses. <laughs> That's an old character. Oh, yeah. Kisses by Jeffrey. I'm a nano-influencer now. What I do is I tweet out on my private all-Instagram account all about the suave Kisses shampoo from the Kisses range by Jeffrey. Right, um... And so the 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 all, this is the culmination of sort of a year of just humiliation of sort of state and municipal governments who've been falling over themselves to just like to to give to be have Amazon sort of set up in them. Um, <laughs> they want Amazon to fin dom them. <laughs> yes, actually, that is the best. That is, I didn't think of this. That is the best comparison. They want to be fin domed by Amazon because they want to give up control of most of their public works. They want to be told where to put their new infrastructure developments, and they just want to give over all of the money that they possibly can. They're like, oh yeah, raise the rents, raise them another forty percent. In many ways, giving Amazon a massive tax break is the biggest buying a girl panties on her Amazon wish list <laughs> of all. <laughs> right. Um. And so it is the culmination of this national humiliation. And then it was revealed that uh, these locations were picked for a few reasons. Um, they're already rich. They already have lots of infrastructure. Uh, they already have a very sort of affluent professional base. And Bezos owns like 25 bathroom mansions in both of them. Bathroom mansions? What 25 t- b- mansions that contain 25 bathrooms. Oh, right. <laughs> it was like he owns 25 <laughs> bathroom mansions, like just gigantic bathrooms such that you could like live palatially in them, but the whole house is somehow a bathroom. <laughs> like this is the ultimate mansion because I can shit anywhere I want. <laughs> as, opp- like- as opposed to Amazon workers who can't shit anywhere. Like, please, <laughs> please, sir, may I shit in one of your this 25 is- bathrooms? This is becoming the Joe Rogan experience. Like, what, what if you had a mansion, but like you just shit in any room? Like, <laughs> it's like every room is a bathroom. That's, dude, that's like ultimate luxury. <laughs> I mean, really, you can shit in any room. It doesn't have to be a bathroom. It's, it's just, it's just, it's just if you've got the balls to do it. Any room is a bathroom. <laughs> it's stored in the balls. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, if you do DMT, you can shit anywhere. Yeah. You can shit in space. <laughs> right. So, um, fine. But it's been this culmination of, the, of, of, a, of a year-long humiliation where they have just tripped over themselves to get finned on by Amazon. Um and they're and essentially what Amazon what Amazon's already doing is it's turning these places into company towns, right? Where it's Seattle tried to institute a tax on companies working earning sort of more than a certain amount um, per employee uh, to pay for a solution to its bad and growing homelessness problem that was in part created by the high rents created by the tech sector uh, that Amazon was instrumental in torpedoing. So good luck to New York doing anything. Now that they've essentially handed the reins of control over to, well, um, <laughs> uh, Jeff Bezos, Jeffrey kisses. Sw- sw- swole Jeff Bezos and his dog. <clears throat> Amazon's going to get uh, New York is going to get ne- uh, renamed to Bezley Hills, and there's nothing we can do about it. <laughs> Bezley Hills. Oh no, <laughs> That's I want to be more like M Bezling Hills. Am I right? Because uh, the taxes. Right, but <laughs> God damn it, Nate. Nate, put it in. I knew it was going to be bad. Nate, I didn't, put the sound. I didn't in. intend it to be good. Put the sound in. Um, but look, here's the thing. We can talk forever about how you know Amazon comes in and runs your city, and then all of a sudden, all of your all of your history textbooks feature the great and wonderful deeds of the Pinkerton strike strike breakers. Right? We can talk endlessly about that. But one of the things I kind of want to focus on is like if you concentrate all the power and wealth in one country in one city. As we've learned from London, that city will start to suck. 
Wait, but London's great. You can go to like a ball pit where they're playing uh, Daft Punk's hits using a live orchestra on any night of the week <laughs> for only fifteen pounds. I can I can go to a club that will play Toto by Africa for for twenty four hours because memes are real life now, and that's the only enjoyment I can scrape from my existence. Right? It's oh, that. Oh man! Oh, it, that's so believable. <laughs> no, I, that, no, that's real. It's that exists. Oh. It's real. Yeah. <laughs> God damn it. We live in hell. <laughs> we live in hell. It's the their lies, but they're entertaining lies. Except nothing's a lie anymore. Yeah, mm. and so because that that these like these rich tech assholes, these rich finance assholes, they all like the same terrible shit. Like, yes, like this is you. This is the this is the example of um of of your friend Milo. Who what did he go see? It was the joke I made. Yeah, so one of my mates next week can't come to a show that I'm doing because he is going to uh, the hits of Daft Punk as performed by a live orchestra. And I'm like, this is like an event that was designed by a Markov chain. Like, it's not like no one actually wanted to go to this event before a computer generated marketing algorithm decided this was an event people would go to. And now people are because people are like, gee, that sounds like an event people would go to. <laughs> I should go to that. And it's, and, and these are the, and that's the thing. These are the, sort of well-educated professionals who whose whole lives have been sort of spent in institutions just overachieving by the rules who mm. then sort of go on to sort of be complete anhedonic drones for the rest of their natural lives and you know that they need a ball pit they need a candy themed cocktail they need a detective themed bar where you're not allowed to order until you crack the case yeah, <laughs> I love it, a detective theme bar, but where the case is like a really harrowing one, <laughs> and you like you find like bar. a like a dismembered body in a suitcase. No, this is a, because of um, conservative cuts. Like detective theme bars just actually get rolled into the police, and you just need people to try and solve crimes <laughs> desperately. Right, but it's this is like New York. Welcome to becoming like London. Yeah. Like that's that's you you've won now. You you're going to get the shittiest aspects of London. Yeah. In addition to having a metro system which works according to like a lunar calendar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's 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 the thing. It's like that's where the more of the findom comes in, right? Which is that we that like New York is now investing in its public transit infrastructure to make way for Amazon's entry into the city. Why did it need to wait for Amazon? Why couldn't it have just done it? I <laughs> uh, sorry, am I supposed to answer that? <laughs> My I don't know, Riley. I'm not here to give you answers. I'm here to make jokes. I don't understand things. That isn't my job on the podcast. Don't look at me when you ask big questions like that. Uh, the truth is, the truth is, obviously, they could have, but they didn't because the whole point of neoliberalism, obviously, is the transfer of public wealth to private hands. And the best we get out of it is like a, you can get a hot dog delivered by drone. Fantastic. Wasn't that, wasn't that like the type of thing that they used to like torture David Blaine when he was in London? <laughs> well, they delivered a hot dog to him by drone. <laughs> yeah, they, they flew it up just outside the cage. Yeah, they, 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 were like, they, were they were flying up like burger meat and hot dogs like outside his glass box um, because he was starving himself for 40 days. And, like, but wasn't that glass box thing like over 10 years ago? Surely no one had a drone. Well, they kind of, well, it was like uh, on a remote control helicopter, which, like, kite. you know, for what it was. <laughs> this is modern day Ben Franklin. It was a bunch of highly violent Palestinian terrorists with flying kites and hot dogs on them. <laughs> with ropes tied to fence. <laughs> they, know, they know we can't eat pork. It's, 
<laughs> it's aggressive hot dog flying. And that's why we had to shoot them all. Right. So anyway, you can get you can get your opinions on the uh, on Amazon's HQ2 from everywhere. We all know that the tax subsidies are galling that the public sort of like um prostrations have been humiliating for the entire public sector and workers as a whole. Um and that sort of all of our elected political representatives have essentially just betrayed our trust like for the 40th time. Um but I think the real thing to worry about here is that it is going to take the last vestiges of a sort of affordable or interesting or cool New York and just tear it the fuck away and replace it with um, a pizza express or whatever yeah. you, whatever I mean, equivalent I mean, this you is have the thing. of it so there. Every, everyone, everyone I've spoken to um, who lives around here is like, yeah, like Queens is like probably like one of the only like cool place left. Um, and the fact that like they've now chosen this is, well, like even like even just like one of the, 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 the place in New York where like most kind of like of the original communities still exist. Um, this is basically like disrupting the whole thing, right? Uh, so yeah, like I went to, I went to like a small protest out when the Amazon news was announced. I went down to Queens, um, by accident because I took the wrong subway actually. Uh, and yeah, they were kind of just saying that, yeah, this is just going to be the biggest shit show. And like, apparently there are plans to like build all these new developments around here specifically for Amazon workers as an incentive, um, for people to kind of say, okay, I will come work at the Amazon factory if you if you like massively subsidize my housing and healthcare and stuff like that. This is just this is just classic Amazon, just classic Amazon because it's like you read stories about like how Amazon does something of quote unquote ostensibly good, like oh, in, investing in you know young children learning to code so that when they grow up they can grow up and then work for Amazon. It's exactly the same thing. We're going to come and build more houses exclusively for Amazon workers. So if you want to have a sustainable means of living, come and work for the mega corporation because what else are you going to do with your life now? Yeah, absolutely. You know what this is? This is this. Is, we're essentially like we are. We can see the future being built, and essentially, what it is is the version of the Simpsons time stream uh, that Homer travels to via the broken toaster, where Ned Flanders controls everything. Yeah. Well, I don't see a problem with this. You know, I, for one, greatly enjoy eating my three square prime meals a day and being a loyal prime citizen. And then on the day before I get married to my fiance, having my dad have sex with her as part of Prime and Octa. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you were sitting on that one. <laughs> Just waiting for it to happen. Well, that's the thing, though. Also, like, remember, in 12 years, the world's going to end. And so, like, what the reality is of our lives is going to be we're all going to work for one or another division of Amazon, and our wages are going to be paid on the basis of how much we can shill various products from that division of Amazon to people who work at other divisions of, of Amazon. And eventually, Jeff Bezos is just going to not need to pay anybody. We're just going to live in dormitories. So I, I will agree to become one of these nano-influencers for Amazon if I'm only ever required to sell those incredibly specific, like, uh, computer-generated sweatshirts that are only <laughs> generated for me. Like... I am incredibly sarcastic and I don't suffer fools because it's all about being a white man who knows Latin who was born in February thing. <laughs> and I'm like, that's a bit too specific and, and, and that, that's way too coherent for um, a predictive text sweater. Yeah, it'd be something like, yeah, I'm a Virgo. Yeah, I eat sand. What of it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a but lot. It, who doesn't eat sand, Adam? Come on, that's too general. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Anyway. 
so that's 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 our particular slice on on Amazon, which is it's going to suck for all the reasons you're all familiar with already. But spare a thought for the fact that it's also going to make New York unbelievably lame. Anyway, yeah, move to London, isn't it? So, Adam, you recently got back from uh, Barcelona's Smart Cities Expo. Yeah, so. I uh, was in Smart City Expo. It was sort of in the middle of Barcelona. What a Smart City Expo is, is essentially business pitches for what your city could be if all of technology was sort of turned up to 11. So everything, all the buzzwords that you know, like Internet of Things, uh, connected devices, self-driving cars, 5G, all of that. The blockchain. The blockchain. (laughs) The blockchain, which is actually a series of um, interconnected scooters that you use instead of a rail network that I I tweeted out in jest and my mum thought was serious and applauded me on it. Hey, don't worry, we can walk there. It's only five blockchains away. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but yeah, so that so that's the smart scene, essentially pitching the future in a way that is ostensibly good for people and in reality just really good for businesses. Okay. Uh, yeah, so you said it's it's this city that's based on hyperconnectivity, and this expo was just show, different companies showing their vision of what that was. Yeah, like how you how big com- how large companies will work together with government to like develop urban planning and like um, make traffic more efficient. So like technically, it's green energy and like managing resources so that global warming doesn't fuck us as bad as it's as, as it's going to. And that's it. Yeah. So these are the ostensible reasons, of course. Yes. Um, because when when tech companies and governments work together, uh, we know what happens every single time. Well, yeah, it, it just builds into, it looks like Robocop. It looks like Minority Report. There were pictures like proudly displayed on screens, like unironically, where it's like your um, security camera um, on a bus will immediately be fed into the police, something that is actually being pitched in London to like get developed. And it's things like the cars that you drive will be immediately tracked. So the like local government will know your um, know your location at all times, which is terrifying if you just want to get to your job in with like five minutes I'm just going to go onto the top deck of buses holding up signs saying, buy my coconut milk, you pigs. (laughs) (laughs) I know you're watching me, you hogs. (laughs) Micro-influencing the police. (laughs) Hey, we've got a shiny new cap for the police and that's it. (laughs) Why are we only selling this to cops? (laughs) Yeah, so, and again, I think listeners listeners to the show will be sort of unsurprised to hear essentially this theme arise again, which again and again and again, which is that the smart city, which is just basically a citywide network of sensors connected to different stuff and stored in various databases and so on, is ostensibly about data collection for optimization and service delivery. But realistically, it's about wealth collection for the private companies that actually own it. Yeah, so it's uh, predict. So, like, one of the facts that they like proudly play, uh, proudly portray is that it's predicted that it's going to be worth one point two trillion dollars to like essentially seed AI into every public infrastructure that we have by I think twenty thirty. That goes up to like three point six trillion. But of course, where does all of that money go to if it's not f- because wages haven't increased in like the past twenty years? Like, we're still living under this like veil of austerity and or capitalism. So, like, that money just gets put back into more tech companies that then have to pay again, nano-influencers to buy the products so that they can just live in this city that has become too smart and too expensive to, to get them. Just, it's digital gentrification and we should all be concerned. I'm just imagining living in a sort of like weirdly technologically advanced but still ancient realm called the Veil of Austerity. <laughs> <laughs> right? it's, 
It's what you wear at that wedding day on the prime <laughs> wedding day. Oh, God. <laughs> Side-eyeing your fiancé's dad over your veil of austerity. <laughs> so... One of the things that you one of the one of the things you brought up with this earlier was that as these technologies get developed and as these tech companies are just sitting more and on more and more hordes of cash, you said that you got the feeling that it was just existence for existence's sake. Now I don't think you were trying to like like talk about existentialism. So what do you mean? So it's the things like the only reason to or or one of the reasons to put AI in and 5G and all that sort of stuff into um, cities is because on one level it is something we want. Like we all want Wi-Fi on the tube because having to connect, uh, we all want 5G on the tube because having to connect to Wi-Fi at every station is inconvenient. But then once you have 5G everywhere in London, a lot like a large company is going to say, well, why aren't we using this in order to track a ton of stuff so that we can collect data from it? And it's just that the fact that these technologies are existing for our, our slight convenience can get built up so quickly into it's essentially more mass marketing. It's like, it is interesting is if when I go to a new city in Europe or something that I can use Google Lens to look at a um, look at a national monument and get some information about it. That is cool. That is helpful. That gives me information. Google then will use that to market to me like socks from Germany that I can't buy anymore because I've left in the week but still it's just kept that kernel of information we saw forever. you checking out that kid <laughs> <laughs> right so but uh, the, one of the perfect examples of this is one that you brought up which is one of the ways in which Google trying to integrate with the NHS Oh yeah, so um, Google essentially made an app um, that was essentially to send notifications uh, to a particular hospital in London, and everyone and it used AI, and everyone thought it was really exciting. And then it came out like I think it was actually yesterday of time of the recording, so what the fifteenth maybe that Google had just scraped the private information from like one point six million patients that it then could use for marketing, and uh, like. A lot of people came out and was like, this is this is a terrible idea. This is immoral. Google said that it would not integrate, um, I think it was called the, the Stripe app or something. Stream. Stream. The Stream app with its deep mind like AI. But Google did it anyway because who's go because Google is a too big to fail company that can do what they want. They can take whatever fine is going to be levied at them. And like even if it's that two percent of their profit margins that GDPR is going to bring, because the end result is more is more power, is a stranglehold that they can just have over our lives to a greater degree. And because the next logical step is nano influencing sick people. God, <laughs> I really love being a hot Instagram thought, but what I also really enjoy is chemotherapy. And with this link, <laughs> you can get fifty percent off. Chemo uh, in in nano influencer marketing uh, chemotherapy to bald men as an excuse for being bald Look, that's, that's actually what that's actually why Jeff Bezos is so desperate to develop it's to cure the baldness he just wants it's just, just the man who wants to cure baldness and now we all have to suffer but he went about it such a wrong way just didn't know what to do why couldn't we just have made toupees socially acceptable we wouldn't have to deal with this Amazon's first bookshop was just all about hair care products and it's yeah. just spiraled uncontrollably <laughs> Right, so it's actually just very funny to me imagining every like broy bald personality is actually just being a cancer sufferer who's who's too who's too proud to let everyone know like Joe Rogan just battling for years. <laughs> so Google is sort of deep in this space, right? Because they've sort of privatized a big section of Toronto. Yeah, they um, opened like a smart city essentially section um, 
under a company called Sidewalk Labs, which I think is part of their like big alphabet um, mega conglomerate. Um, and developers and people that worked for it eventually dropped out because Google couldn't um, Google could not confirm that the data that it collected would not would uh, be anonymized. So Google would just be collecting a lot of information from you anyway that could be used directly at marketing and. Again, that's that's just where we are. There's a um, like similarly, there's a place in the Netherlands which has a ton of um, 64 microphones in all of its street lamps, so that it can be sent to police officers. Like the development of these technologies is so insidious under the banner of under the banner of keeping the peace that it eventually either becomes to a build a surveillance state or b market to you further or or ideally both. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Me sidling up to a street lamp going, buy my coconut milk, you pigs. I know you're in there, you hogs. <laughs> the last thing you, that you remember when you get when you black out from like trungeons is whatever hashtag is written on the baton. Like, yeah. Well, I think here's the, the thing. Like we know like, like Amazon is going to make New York suck, right? Because in, in part, it's because big decisions made by data-based companies are like inherently conservative. Where... If you're trying, if you have a smart city and you're looking at footfall traffic to try to decide what your next restaurant is going to be, you're going to look at what's currently popular, and and then you're going to just do that. Yeah, it's and, it's and, self it's self perpetuation. So like a few like maybe a month ago, Amazon had a big story that the AI it was using to hire people was sexist because all the data it was built on was from society, which is sexist. That we live in that we live in <laughs> we famously, <do. laughs> and like one of the things is like night like. 90% of the world's data has been created in the past two years. Only 1% of that has been actually analyzed. And the pitch is like, oh, what? imagine what we could do if we can unlock the other 89% of that data, which is basically the pitch of the movie Limitless. And that just results in drug running and nosebleeds or the movie Lucy, where everyone disappears into ethereal space. Limitless resulted in a stunning performance by Bradley Cooper. I will not see this movie maligned. Now, and, yeah, now he's a talking raccoon. So look now, where that's going. Now, the thing, yeah, but that's the Wait, thing, like, right? If 90%, that wasn't what I took away from A Star Is Born. But. <laughs> if, if 90% of the world's data has been created in the last two years, only 1% of it has been analyzed. Essentially, what we're saying is let's live between 2016 and 2018 forever let's just keep living these two years let's keep all of these trends let's stay listening to six nine let's continue let's continue having the relentless avocado toast cycle where it's you know either delicious or a cause of poverty and let's just never change anything we're going to be completely static because there are going to be sort of sensors and ai algorithms largely balancing our entire lives to make sure nothing ever changes yes the truman show plus groundhog day Essentially, and like if for everyone, yeah, for everyone. If that's the movie pitch, and like you, and there are people that will argue, and to some extent that they're they're right. They're like, oh yes, but the more we get this data, the more we can do things like say make traffic more efficient, so that you know cl uh, climate change happens slowly, which is good on the surface, but it's just a bigger equivalent of banning plastic straws. When what we really need to do is change how capitalism works, so mass polluters don't happen. Like, and sometimes like the data just doesn't get listened to. Like, there's a um famous thing that there are so many air pollution like monitors in China they're everywhere but no one listens to the data because the truth is so inconvenient thank you Al Gore so that they just keep on going because what uses the data if you don't want to listen to it or if it's so limited that again as you say it exists in only these past two years yeah and that actually almost leads me to want to go to the the Bristol Dome or or as I've titled it on this uh on this Google Doc Dome Me Off Bristol 
So yeah, so one of the ways that like like Bristol is marked as like a foremost smart city for having things like a data dome, which is just a large building with 4G and with 5G and 4K screens that can be used to show data from like sociological mappings and how to develop a city. So and this is the thing, because smart cities are still so in the future and people are pitching this so much, the thing that makes a smart city so smart is the potential to develop further smart cities within the city that is already smart. It's That's incredibly smart. I just love that they're pitching Bristol as a smart city, a city in which the police have tased the same black man who works for them twice, <laughs> accidentally. <laughs> yeah, th- their problem isn't that they need more data. Like, that's not the problem there. Or equally, if Bri- Bristol basically has a problem of sort of poverty and chronic underfunding of services, and by sort of creating a big data dome, they're able to see it and say that they're working on it. And it's like, look, we have a graph that says no one has anything. Yeah, it's like like the like the issue is bad is in Bristol. Let's say, for example, is bad housing, and the measure that like is being praised for and that should be taken, and I am not making this up, is designing a frog shaped air humidity sensor. And that's Wait, just, how can it be shaped as fog? Does fog, fog. have a shape? A frog like, shape. like a frog, like a oh, oh, a frog. Yeah, a frog. <laughs> they said fog shaped. I'm like, whoa, that's too that's too meta for me. Like, it's just a cloud of nanobots that just don't worry. It just analyzes the ambient humidity of your house. It doesn't it doesn't swarm into you, take you over, and turn you into a zombified super soldier. It will never do that. Trust us. It's like someone just like Homer Simpson trying to explain to a child what the cloud is. Like uh, <laughs> uh well Lisa, it's uh, it's like a kind of big fog in which you can upload all of your data and child pornography. <laughs> Wait, why would Homer be having child pornography? <laughs> I don't know. Because <laughs> the Simpsons don't age. They're so running the out. point of who is 18 They're running is out of ideas. Also that's a pretty that's a pretty good Homer. Thank you. <laughs> that was worse. Yeah. yeah, and just the icing on the tape. That project is called the Damp Buster's Pilot, which, of course, it is. is that, mean, that just sounds like Friday Night at Milo's genuinely house. sounds like a program, like a company that does like damp proofing in like Solihull <laughs> or something. And they're like, we've come up, we've come up with a clever pun for our vans. <laughs> <laughs> Because oh, we we bust damp, but we also hate the Germans. So it's kind of two in one, really. Right. So, so this whole smart city initiative essentially enables uh, a local government to sort of take a bunch of money from Facebook or Google or damp busters. Yeah. When your house is damp, oh, it's really moist. Who are you gonna call? Damp busters. Well, you don't need to call them because they're always listening. I'm going to mark that because I want it to be the preview. (laughs) (laughs) But, right, and so they can essentially come in and they can say, we're going to provide everyone some trivial service, whether it's something that we could generally regard as good, like um, 5G on the tube, no matter where you are in the network. That's actually good. Like, we should aim for getting that. But the problem is, any company coming in to provide that is always going to get back something more valuable than they've given. Yeah, it's the it's the big political um, equivalent of like signing up to a Nectar card. Like, yes, you can get a, mar- a marginal discount, but your data is so much is worth so much more. And in the UK, that hap- this will happen like incredibly passively. Like, it will just it will like companies will exist in just a greater degree that they do now in places like that don't have the same data protection laws. Like places like China, it just will build into the surveillance state that people do and rightly fear now 
And mm. it, it's no, also, you can't forget that austerity creates this because austerity creates under delivery of services. And then smart city people come in and say, we're going to use sensors so that with your current budget, you can deliver the needed level of services. Uh, by the way, we know everything about everyone now because even, even this isn't so much smart city, but it's within homes. Police have started seizing Alexa recordings um, to prosecute people. Oh yeah, so um, oh, that's fucking incredible. <laughs> but yeah, uh, Alexa, you're my lawyer now. <laughs> Sorry, it's Alexa client privilege. But yeah, it's and it's weird because again, Amazon isn't denying that those recordings exist. It's just saying it's not going to hand it over to the police, and that and that's this is again the issue of having a. Um, having a political problem that is marketed as an economic problem. Yes, it is a good idea that the police should be able to get to respond to crimes better, but but it's forgetting that in America, what that means is a lot more people of color will get murdered by the police because it hasn't changed the incompetency of the service. It's just made the problem more efficient and faster to get to. <laughs> it's like that's it. It's I, I I've always thought this. It is is essentially. Most of modern life is a machine designed to kick you in the nuts and like sort of li like liberal liberal governments and the and the tech giants have looked at this machine and decided that they can make it run on green energy. I've also just had a realization, which is that this is just like the major key version of Black Mirror. If Black Mirror is like, Banksy, what if your mom was a phone? Th this is like... Hey, is modern life getting you down? What if your phone was the cops? <laughs> <laughs> oh my! Um, sorry, Hussein, we haven't heard from you in a bit. Anything? Uh, do you have any any opinions on this? Uh, well, I, I don't. I, I I think some some people are built to live in smart cities, and some people are built to live in rational cities. Um, and in a rational city. Uh, we have 5G calipers, which means that you can get very precise measurements of all the women whose skulls you measure on the tube. Uh, <laughs> um, the, you, you, the, the caliper data is immediately uploaded to your phone where it's then analyzed en masse. So we know, we know the racial composition of any given tube car. And if there are too many Irish, you're actually going to be able to change your, your, your travel solution in flight. Well, Anna immediately notifies the cops of any criminal Italian brain pants. I mean, I mean, as a serious thing, like, so I, obviously I'm in New York right now, and like one of the big differences, obviously, is that when you take the subway, you don't actually get any like. There's no Wi-Fi, right? There's basically no Wi-Fi in the majority of the city outside of like Manhattan, like even like the specific areas of Manhattan. Um, so like this place is far from like a far like a a smart city for the most part. Um, so one observation that obviously I made is that like. When you're waiting 15 minutes for a subway, like having Wi-Fi, you will literally do anything in those 15 minutes to go get your Wi-Fi, right? Um, and I think this is kind of where I, I feel like there's like a big broader like cultural shift that's going to like happen soon with like with the nature of these smart cities, whether they are kind of dominated by places like Amazon or whether I, you know, my, my genuine thinking is that like healthcare is really going to be the first frontier for this. Um, you know, because as you were kind of saying, like, even even if like there's there's a couple of like things that I was observing before I left in the UK and one of them which was a press release that I got was like a very cheap kind of private health service. So basically, they said for like ten pounds a month, um, you will be kind of like covered on like most things that will take you ages to get on the NHS. Um, and it's like ten pounds a month is like an absurdly low price for like private healthcare, right? 
Um, but if you read like the fine print of that, what they basically say is that like, you know, all the data that you give this company and they're like, you know, this, this is a tech company. So what they do is that when they initiate you into the service, they'd be like, you know, come in for an hour and we'll basically take as much information from you as we can. And we'll kind of keep it in our systems and that way we can tailor the best kind of healthcare to you, right? Now, we you know, what's the big danger of that? The big danger is that like if a private company owns your data, um, and you're signing this paper on the premise that like you want to have like good healthcare without the NHS waiting times, like you won't really consider what that data is used for. Um, you know, and I, I'm sure this is just, like reiterating like what you guys like have been saying, and I've been struggling to hear sort of, um, which is just that like yeah, we're going to be looking towards like smart cities are really going to be ones where like yeah the the barriers to access are going to be a lot less and they're going to cost a lot less. But the consequences of giving that data is going to be like far higher. And that might manifest in terms of like, you know, big companies dominating particular areas of cities, as will probably be the case in Amazon and Queens, or, um, you know, big kind you know, big private healthcare, like being the number one competitor of the NHS and like people opting for that type of service without thinking about like what are the consequences of like handing so much personal data to this organization. That's actually a really good point that you just made because you mentioned like hand, actually the physicality of handing over the data of signing the paper. Like as you walk as you walk around a city, you don't constantly sign contracts to say that like your tr- the traffic camera can take a picture of your face because under like under things like GDPR, you have a legal right to that image. You have a legal right to be forgotten, but no one's really know how any of these laws are going to be implemented. So your your consent is essentially just walking is just walking around is just living your life and even if you can manage even if they do manage to find that way to sign that contract and to get you a sense like legal rights over your data what are you going to do you're going gra- to like facebook already has 500,000 pages of data on you that you can get if you want to but no one does because no one has a big galaxy brain enough to actually comprehend all of that data and that's why we keep having think pieces about things like i got all my data back from tinder and this is what it knows about me and everyone's shocked and we just do that again every 2 years because it's still shocking and no one knows what to do about it i, mean, I would just like to say on the contrary i do make people sign contracts um, all the time but that's, <laughs> that's just because I love business uh, and I love and I, and, I, <laughs> just, and I love being Patrick Bateman who is famously a business person suave professional <laughs> <laughs> another cheery episode guys I know I, I feel energised I'm like hell yeah the future is great my house is the cops my mum is the cops <laughs> My phone is a phone, and my friend Dave that I've not seen in years is selling me like <laughs> coconut blood for some I'm, reason. I'm, I'm, that's I'm just cool. imagining you saying all of that, but in Joker makeup. <laughs> <laughs> but it, but it, but you, I am an agent of nano influence. <laughs> <laughs> I just influence things. You know how I got these scars? <laughs> Instagram. <laughs> you know how I got these scars? Sign up to Tortoise to find out. <laughs> It's not about the money. I just did it for the likes. <laughs> That's mm. it. That's the only way to beat it. We all have to be Joker. Unfortunately, like the dumb guys that post on Facebook all the time, um, they were right. They were right. We were wrong. That's the ultimate embarrassment, embarrassing own of Shit. all. Is this the last episode of the podcast? <laughs> no, it's just then we're going to act. The, right now, I think the, the 
um, Twitter bio of the podcast says we're a podcast about um, success in business via self belief in crystals. Uh, that's just going to be unironic at this point. Wait, is that is it? Is our business cooking meth? Is that what that's leading <laughs> to? <laughs> I didn't think of it that way, but sure, I guess that's the only thing left. Anyway, so before we depress ourselves anymore, Milo, you want to tell people about something that's happening soon, right? Yeah, uh, next week. Well, it'll be this week, actually. It'll be this week, this Thursday. Thir- yeah. Just say the number. It's, uh, Wednesday, the 21st of November, uh, I am hosting a comedy night, which I host every two weeks, at the Seckford, which is at 34 Seckford Street near Farringdon Tube Station in London. Uh, we've got a great lineup. It's uh, it's me, so obviously good. Uh, Pierre Novelli, a friend of the show and TV star. Uh, also, Jamie Fraser, Pope Lonergan, and Charlie Dinkins. So it's going to be it's going to be great. Please do come and support your boy. It's completely free. I'm glad that those last three have landed on their feet after resigning as Tory junior ministers. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, uh, Adam, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Adam N D Smith. Wait, is it, is it, um, is it you your can... Twitter handle at ASI? <laughs> yeah. But yeah please, if you have any criticisms with anything I've said please tweet the actual Adam Smith Institute they will be happy to hear it because they just like the human contact they actually do study you that's what they're there for you are <laughs> separate from them but they're like we must set up an institute to study this man <laughs> Um, otherwise, don't forget, you can always commodify your descent uh, with a t-shirt from Lil Comrade. Uh, maybe Hell you yeah. could get the uh, uh, Bristol Data Dome uh, written on it. I think Edie's having some kind of sale for Christmas as well. So do get your orders in. Buy shirts early. Buy shirts often. Mm. Uh, and as ever, thank you. <laughs> That's our little micro-influence a bit. <laughs> as ever. God damn it. You know what, you, you know, you know, you know what I want to do? I want to be a micro-influencer, but like be one of those guys that like makes t-shirts where the nipple holes are like exposed is really popular <laughs> yes and they have like a Yu-Gi-Oh logo on them for some reason Edie Edie can we make one of those please can we, can we make the episode title Yu-Gi-Oh is a pyramid scheme <laughs> <laughs> we'll see we'll see what Nate he us, Nate usually names them as he's like bleary eyed and trying to go to bed just after he's done editing them alright Hussein we'll see what your father says okay <laughs> uh, so thanks also to Ginseng for the use of our theme song. It's called Here We Go. You can find it on Spotify. It's very good. Yep. Anyway, that's all from us in the guy household. But from our guy household to your guy household, good evening. <laughs> Have a really guy evening. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye.